All right, before we jump into the episode, I want to tell you about a masterclass that I'm teaching in just a few weeks. And I'm super excited because this is the first masterclass that I'm teaching. And I asked you, what do you want to learn? And I heard loud and clear, Shannon, I want to learn how the heck to get rid of these symptoms and how to stop having panic attacks. So that is what this class is going to be all about. So I hope you join me. It's going to be a live 90-minute masterclass. And if you're interested, just check out the link in the show notes and sign up. And I hope to see you there. For a really good friendship at some point, like a good friend will notice that I haven't been asking for help. I haven't been sharing a whole lot. I don't talk about myself very much. And then it's like, okay, but what about you? And then I get scared. It's like, I I, I don't know. Um, I, I think with social anxiety, there's this like, if you get to know me well enough, you won't like me anymore. So there's the, you gotta keep the distance. It's not like a conscious thing. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for All 15 right. years. I am excited and now, for today's I help episode. To push today, I have Sadie with me, and Each Marie week, I'll be diving real into and social anxiety, along which is with a topic that I haven't yet talked about here to help on the you push podcast. Past your and thoughts, so, the Sadie is joining me from your Welcome. social You're anxiety bestie over on Instagram, and I love, love that handle. <laughs> um, and Sadie is just wonderful. I say, if you're struggling with social anxiety, I really love her page. You're so relatable. Um, and just everything that you share. So practical, so helpful. Um, and just, yeah, you make people feel like you get it. So yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Sadie. That's quite the introduction. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know I found you from Drew, which was a very pleasant introduction because I don't really know anyone in this space. And so it's nice that you are totally exclusively about social anxiety. And I shouldn't say exclusively. I know you talk about other things. But yeah, no, you're right. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 It's so good though, because it's definitely needed. So Let's just start with, I love, you know, you you do work specifically helping people with social anxiety. I know that you have, you know, different forums that you help people with. So like, how the heck did you get to this place where this is the work that you do now? Well, it has been a process and I have to say it's not what I do full time. This is, it's like half passion project, hobby, half um, like a little source of income that I do as part of my freelancing. Um, The bulk of what I do is freelance editing. And I don't talk about that a whole lot on my social anxiety platform because like it it overlaps a little bit. And and sometimes I I meet up with socially anxious editors and that's a really cool crossover. But yeah, but in terms of your social anxiety bestie, it started as a blog that I, it was just like a journal entry style blog when I was going through social anxiety therapy. It was a 12 week CBT program for social anxiety and I was kind of chronicling how that was going. And at first it was only my dad reading it, but he was being very supportive. <laughs> I love it. And in time, um, I connected with other people. I got really good feedback and I was surprised by how many people related to it because social anxiety is kind of a sneaky secret thing that nobody nobody walks around with a sandwich board saying like, hey, ask me about my social anxiety. Just like by the very nature of social anxiety, <laughs> we don't talk about it. Um, yeah, it evolved into an Instagram account and a podcast and now 
now you know it's the podcast but i've got my social anxiety besties club through through patreon so it's like a monthly right now it's ten dollars a month and we it's a peer support we just call it peer support so it's people with social anxiety and i lead most of the activities in there we meet on zoom and we just talk about you know what we're tackling this week what we're struggling with what you know what social interactions might be on our mind uh, and share successes and just like support each other. We have a book club component where we read books that are relevant to social anxiety. I do a private podcast episode on there. And then, uh, yeah, just this month, just this year, I, um, I started doing one-on-one peer coaching for social anxiety. I'm very careful to call it peer coaching because I'm not a coach or a therapist. Like I'm just a person who has been on this journey for a few years and wants to give back, pay it forward, because I, you know, I, I had pr- the privilege of having access to really good therapy and medication and, and, and just really good healthcare where I live in Ontario and a supportive partner who made time for me to do all the therapy and all that stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. a way of kind of trying to help others. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you're giving back. I mean, this is exactly the work that I do. So it's so, so cool. So Talk to me. I know obviously you had quite the journey with social anxiety and I know it can look different for many people. What did it look like for you? Like what are mm. the types of things you struggled with? That's a great question. Yeah. For me, for a long time, I just thought it, the only word I had to describe my experience was shy, like shyness. Um, mm. I called it crippling shyness at the time. I wouldn't call it that now for a lot of reasons. Um, and I, my dream was to become functionally shy. Like I never really saw past just always being trapped by shyness. And I've come a long way on that. Like I, I don't think of shyness as a bad thing anymore. You know, social anxiety is the thing that I'm trying to work on. And then shyness slash introversion, I have worked on accepting more than trying to change. So it's been quite a process. But yeah, I just was very trapped by my own distorted worldview of like, everybody hates me. I'm not good enough. Um, Nobody really wants me to be here. Everyone's judging me. Like I suck as a human. I was just trapped in that mindset all the time. And then like that led to physical symptoms. And I thought I was lactose intolerant because I had really painful cramps in my stomach all the time, especially when traveling or in social gatherings. And I figured I must have eaten something, but turns out, no, it was, it was anxiety. Yeah. Blushing. Blushing was another one. Oh yeah. That's a big one. It can manifest in ways that you're like, there's something else going on, right? Yeah. It must be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I assume, right. You probably altered how you moved through the world in certain ways. Like, you know, what did that look like? Because I know a lot of people, I myself struggled with social anxiety. I'm not going to make this about me, but you know, my big thing was if I'm going to go do stuff, I'm going to drink alcohol. Like if I have to be around crowds and lots of people and, you know, people saw me as being so extroverted and that's so far from who I am, but I could be that way if I had to with the help of some really unhealthy coping mechanisms. (laughs) So what are so you know does that any of that resonate with you or what are some ways that you change things to sort of maneuver around it? That is such a good observation because um, one of my favorite books on social anxiety is How to Be Yourself by Ellen Hendrickson and I'm pretty sure there's an entire chapter devoted to alcohol, um, mm-hmm. courage in a bottle because for us socially anxious types, just one drink, I like I can make me feel quote unquote normal. 
Yeah. And, you know, there's a history of alcoholism in my family. And I always wonder, you know, was it undiagnosed social anxiety that may have led these these people to self-medicate because they didn't know anything else? And every time I drink, it's always in the back of my mind, like, is this something I'm doing because I'm enjoying it? Or is this a, like, am I trying to cope bec- through alcohol? Is it, I think about that a lot. And um, and I guess just avoidance is how I, I went through the world. Like avoidance is the thing that keeps social anxiety going because something scares you. So you avoid it, but then you don't get the practice and the experience of whatever social interaction you've avoided. And it just reinforces the fear. And then, and then you get rustier and rustier. It's like it, the trap becomes smaller and smaller. And that's how it was for me. Oh, yeah. I think it's that we think, right, if I just don't do it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll feel okay. And, and you know, by avoiding, it makes me feel better. Yeah. Sure. In the short term, it <laughs> probably does. Right. But then you're just sort of hardwiring those pathways for every time that you're in a situation that is a little bit uncomfortable outside of your comfort zone. Here we go. Like, yeah. here's that anxiety in full force because, you know, you sort of taught it we we don't go towards it we go away from it and that's mm-hmm. how we make it better and and yeah that's the one of the tricky parts right is you you've really got to face it so did it look like like did you just not go to events or if you did did you like do certain things to to move through it easier like what did what did all that yeah. look like i definitely avoided the scarier events unless i had a safety person with me like going to a dinner for the swim team, I would only go because, you know, my dad and my stepmom were also on the swim team. So if they were going to the end of year dinner or the Christmas dinner, then I would go with them. But if they weren't going, there's not a chance I would go. Or I would travel if a friend was traveling and invited me. And even then, there's a chance I would cancel. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and just generally being kind of quiet and apologetic for being alive in the world. You know, I I Mm. didn't want to impose on people. So I wouldn't ask for help if I needed help with something. Like I'd rather just do it alone. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't rather do it alone, but I would rather not put anybody else out. Like if I needed a ride or something like that, I would rather be late than ask someone for help or or, uh, I'm trying to think of specific examples. I definitely didn't speak up in class. University was really hard for me both Mm. times around. And I think the biggest thing was just getting past acquaintance level with people. Um, Cause I, I think, I think I tend to be friendly, but it's bringing it to close friendship. That's super scary for me, like bringing it to, okay, now we're going to hang out one-on-one at this person's house and have a conversation. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> so I would kind of not intentionally delay doing this, but just never get around to having time to hang out with friends. Yeah. 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 And what about it would be so terrifying, like that one-on-one? I think it's vulnerability, um, mm. the give and take of friendship. Like I'm, I, I like it when people confide in me. I like listening. I'm like, I think I'm a pretty good listener. I like, I like to be someone that is trusted. I like to be helpful, but for a really good friendship at some point, like a good friend will notice that I haven't been asking for help. I haven't been sharing a whole lot. I don't talk about myself very much. And then it's like, okay, but what about you? And then I get scared. It's like, 
I, I don't know. Um, I, I think with social anxiety, there's this like, if you get to know me well enough, you won't like me anymore. Mm. So there's the, you got to keep a distance. It's not like a conscious thing, but. I think you just hit it, like hit the nail on the head. I think that's underlying for so many people, right? Like I am so reserved. I'm so shy. I'm, you know, all these things. And I think what's under a lot of that is if I show you who I really am, Mm -hmm. you might not like it or you might not want to be friends, right? And like you said, it's the vulnerability of it. Like Mm -hmm. I have to put myself out there to like maybe be judged and have people, you know, think whatever they might. And oftentimes they think, you know, what what we're kind of thinking and worried about and all that stuff is a perception of our own like internal struggles, right? And not necessarily what somebody else is probably thinking. But I think we take all of that and put it on the other person and they're like, you know, we spin, we make these stories of like, mm-hmm. they're not going to like us, you know, we're, we're not this, we're not that we, we don't have much going on. We don't have much to offer. Like what all those stories, right. I think are such a big part of it. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's, I, I'm afraid they won't like me because I'm actually unlikable as a person, or I'm mm-hmm. afraid they won't, um, accept me because I'm an unacceptable person or they, will judge me for my clothing because my clothing is objectively ugly on me. Like it's that extra step that brings it into all that shame and this this feeling that there is something secretly broken and bad about you that that they will they will find out if you hang out long enough. And then the, like and whatever they think if it's negative, they're right. That that's right. like this big fear. And yeah. if they think something positive about you, well, they just don't know me well enough yet. Well, they're just trying to be nice. Well, you know. Yeah, there's always a story, right, to justify. (laughs) All these distortions, all this. uh, So social anxiety is not, not, it's sneaky. It's really sneaky. It doesn't let you go. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to it because I think at the core, really, it is like this, this sort of um, unacceptance of who Mm -hmm. you are, like as a person. And that can be really scary. And I, you know, for myself, it was like all these coping mechanisms that I used. I was kind of like just in general running away from myself at every turn. <laughs> and that That's a good felt, way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, that felt easier than facing all the the hard stuff that I didn't want to face. I didn't want to work through. Like I didn't want to accept. I, you know, never mind other people seeing. I didn't really want to see it in myself. And that, that can obviously be very hard. So did you find that it was like a certain situation? Like, I know you talked about if you had to go to like big events. I mean, I'm like, I see people that go, my mom the other day we were talking and she was like, yeah, I went out to dinner and, and I was like by yourself because I knew her boyfriend like was not here. He was away. And she was like, yeah, like by myself. And I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Who does that? Because that is still something to this day. You know, that's just not mm. part of my personality or who I – like, no, that sounds terrible. I would be sitting there thinking about what everyone else is thinking about me when everyone is probably, you know, just obviously eating, doing their own thing, like yeah. having a good time and not worried about what the heck I'm doing. But <laughs> <laughs> those types of things are like, you know, were there things that were really hard for you? Just like absolutely not. Yeah, and actually like the more I listened – 
to talk. I guess it wasn't so much like the big events were scary, but they didn't happen every single day. It was actually the daily stuff, like going to the grocery store by myself, driving, mm. making a phone call to the bank, having to return something, going to Costco. <laughs> like these are things that still I struggle with and that I have to work myself up to. The driving has gotten a lot better, but Costco is still something that if I'm not having a good, strong day, I will definitely avoid it and either postpone or ask my husband to go for me. Okay. So I'm it's the, yeah, so it's interested the daily about this because I know for tasks, many people, like the yeah. bigger um, events are very anxiety producing. Like I feel like when even I, when for I think many back, people it's, you know, who I don't struggle with social events, anxiety or anxiety in general, those types of things can be anxiety producing. Mm -hmm. So the the everyday stuff, like you're saying, um, was really hard and still is sometimes. And you, I'm intrigued because I'm like, you mentioned driving, you know, going into stores. And these are all things people who struggle with anxiety and panic and agoraphobia. Like those are big, mm. big areas um, where people can feel anxious. So what what was the, t the anxiety that you experienced like while driving or going into yeah. stores? Yeah, that'll be an interesting overlap with agoraphobia, I think. And just, and, you know, general anxiety. Um, yeah, driving anxiety is actually huge. It's one of the topics we talk about most in our social anxiety besties club. And, you know, I think there's a lot of potential sources of anxiety if you're driving, but for a socially anxious driver, it's, you know, am I doing this right? Do the other drivers think I'm being too fast, too slow? Do they think I should have turned there? Can they tell that I don't know what I'm doing? Do I look stupid? Um, are they staring at me? Like all this, am I doing it right? Am I a good enough driver yet? Am I going fast enough? Am I going like too slow? Uh, should I have gone? Whose turn is it to turn? Oh no, I have to turn left on a green. <laughs> should I go? Should I go? Should I go? Uh, yeah. That, now that you say it, yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, that, that was not my issue with driving anxiety at all, but I, <laughs> I can see and understand that. I think in specific instances, like I always had such bad parking anxiety. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. why. I would always think everyone's staring at me everyone's judging like sh like she doesn't know where she's going like she's having trouble finding parking like she's having trouble parking <laughs> actually oh yeah also parking yeah. yes th thank you for saying that because that was one of the first things my therapist challenged me with because I would like park and then fix my parking fix my parking fix my parking so I was perfectly in the lines and they said what if you didn't do that like yeah. what if you just parked and unless you were actually over a line or like objectively like sideways what if you just leave it on perfect imperfect and I was like um maybe <laughs> <laughs> right like that doesn't sound like the best idea but I guess I could try it yeah yeah I did is. I did try it I didn't I didn't die right right yeah nobody yeah. yelled at me <laughs> right I think no I think that's such a good thing that you hit on too right and I think like I would be worried more so about that what you were saying, like what people would think, but then yeah. is somebody going to like, tell me that I'm doing something yeah. wrong or doing something that I shouldn't be doing, <laughs> which then opens up a whole other can of worms. Like, okay, if someone like brings conflict to me, am I going to cry? Yeah. Do I, do I try to fight back because I can't, cause I'm going to cry. Cause that's just how my body, my body responds to stress by crying. Some people get angry. I just cry. Um, how am I going to handle that? And then there's like all this catastrophizing and thinking of like it basically ends with the zombie apocalypse, whatever the situation is. <laughs> so right. I would rather just per park perfectly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
rather be invisible than anyone yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just... be the cause of the zombie apocalypse <laughs> in a parking lot. I want to tell you about something that I recently discovered and I absolutely love. Branch Basics. I'm so excited to share this with you because Branch Basics offers non-toxic cleaning products that actually work. And this is something that I can get behind because I truly believe that toxins can negatively contribute to our physical and our mental health. And I'm a huge fan of ditching the toxins and living as naturally as possible. Because these products are non-toxic, fragrant-free, and pure, it really makes me feel safe and at peace with what I'm using inside of our home. And I use these products on everything. I'm talking countertops, laundry, floors, toilets, and even in the dishwasher. So if you're wanting to make the switch and toss the toxins, check out Branch Basics and use code AHEALTHYPUSH at checkout for 15% off. Or just grab the link in the show notes. So what is it like, what was it with stores? Like, I'm curious mm. about that too. Cause I know obviously there, you know, social anxiety pops up in many different scenes. And I yeah. feel like the majority of what you hear is like going to bigger events or going to restaurants, going to bars. Like I can understand, you know, not that I don't understand the other stuff, but it seems much more like mm-hmm. straightforward, but like, you know, going into stores, doing everyday tasks, like what, what did that look like? Yeah, that's hard because if you avoid it, you, if it's grocery shopping, then, then, then you start running out of food. Like you really can't avoid it. I mean, you can delay it, but, but you can't really avoid these day-to-day living tasks. And it, like, if it was grocery shopping, then basically everything was a potential for being judged. Like, am I pushing mm-hmm. my cart in the right way? I don't, I don't have these fears as much anymore, but it would look like, I want to be invisible pushing around a gigantic cart, especially a Costco size cart. I don't feel invisible anymore. Now I feel super exposed and clunky and in the way. And like, what if I need to make a quick escape, but I have a shopping cart full of things. Um, are people judging what I'm taking? Like, do they think I'm unhealthy? Um, should I get the dairy first or should I go get the cereal? For, like what order is the right way? How do, how do functional people grocery shop? There's, all, there's a lot of like, what is the right way of doing this? over overthinking it's not rational but but it's exhausting because then like you're constantly having to think no it's okay it's okay if I get the milk last or first either way it doesn't matter but I'm burning through my mental energy just to remind myself that I'm allowed to shop however I want and then and not even at checkout yet where I have to wait in line and place things on the thing and then do I pack myself or do they pack and like am I being friendly enough to the cashier am I being fast enough packing my groceries all sorts of things or or like am I going to bump into somebody who's trying to sell me a store credit card because that's super awkward Uh, when I when I don't want a store credit card yeah or do you want to donate and I'm like oh Oh, my gosh am I gonna look like a terrible person if I don't donate (laughs) I'm barely keeping it together please don't talk to me (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad that you talked through this stuff because yeah, that like I didn't struggle with this stuff like this. And so it's it's just so interesting because there there's so much mentally to it. Like when you're mm-hmm. talking through it, it's like you're spending so much time 
in your brain mm-hmm. and overthinking. And, but it made me think, you know, I see so many crossovers between this and panic disorder and agoraphobia, where it's like, you're constantly in your brain trying to problem solve and figure out. Cause you think if I do all this, it's going to make me feel safer, more mm-hmm. in control. It's, you know, all these things. And it's like, like we said, with avoidance, same thing, yeah. like the more you latch on to it, it's like the more you feed these things and it, it's really hard to get off like this mental track that is going, you know, seemingly like when you were talking through it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're literally <laughs> going 20 miles an hour through all these different things. And it's like, yeah. the, like you said, the sheer exhaustion of the thoughts and then it starts turning into feelings. Like you were saying, yeah. you know, you you experience all these symptoms and I'm sure that stuff in many situations and times right made you feel like I've got to get out of here like let's just leave and not do this and like you know when you were talking I was thinking a lot of people struggle with the digestive symptoms Mm -hmm. which (laughs) that was always me like super same oh yeah if I was anxious my stomach was a mess like there was no if hands or buts (laughs) so you know it's just so I'm curious and I know people are obviously probably like all right what, where do you feel like was a, a light bulb, like breakthrough mm. moment? Like when you started to go through this program and therapy, like what is something mm. big that really like hit you that was like, whoa, like this is going to change the game. Yeah. Learning about cognitive distortions, um, was really big for me. Like I really nerded out on that generally, but just learning that I might be wrong was freeing. Yeah. Um, especially the mind reading distortion where you are thinking what they're thinking about you, but really it's what I'm thinking they're thinking about me. Like, it's just this whole twisted thing. And like going through the grocery store, I'm in my own head, but I'm in everybody else's head too, thinking what they're thinking about me. Like it's this like meta existence where you're seeing yourself through someone through everyone else's eyes, except it's not accurate. You have no idea what the other people are thinking. Yeah. It's what I how I see myself through their eyes and just introducing that little bit of wiggle room. Like this might not be true. What I think they're thinking. Uh, I might not be broken and doing life wrong. I might be okay. Maybe it's okay to be messy. Maybe it's okay. If people park imperfectly, sometimes maybe other people do that. Like just that uncertainty, a different kind of uncertainty, like no longer uncertainty about my value as a human and my competence as an adult, but uncertainty about all these really toxic thoughts I had. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I love that. That It's so so simple, but yeah, I know (laughs) it is huge because it's like, how about you give yourself the opportunity to see that? Like, maybe this isn't true. Yeah. And, and it is hard though, to start to change like your actions and behaviors mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, resist these mental compulsions and like <laughs> change the way that you are, are seeing things to a healthier yeah. way. Like that, that is tough stuff. Um, so did you feel like there was like a good place that you started? Like what are, mm-hmm. you know, what is something like a memory that you have that like that, that was really helpful that I did that, that I like challenged myself to see this in a different way or to do this differently. Well, if I think to the exposures that I did, 
like because the CBT program, the first half was learning about the cognitive distortion distortions and just observing my thoughts and writing them down and catching them and thinking about them. So that in itself was very helpful that like planted the seed of maybe I'm wrong about how I see myself in the world yeah, and how other people see me. But then the exposures, the first one I ever did was um, the the therapy was in a hospital. So they just brought out this big trunk of disguises and, and like costume jewelry, stuff like that. And they're like, everybody pick something and we're going to go do a parade through the hospital <laughs> and we're going to take turns being the leader. I think I ended up with like, because I'm in Canada. So I ended up with like a Canada Day headband with a big flag or a maple leaf or something and like a feather boa. And we walked through the hospital and the goal was one, to show that we can survive it. And two, we had to rate our anxiety before we left the room and rate our anxiety when we got back because they were trying to show us that it will not stay at 90% anxiety the entire time. I didn't believe them. I was at a 90 90 (laughs) out of a (laughs) hundred. But when I got back, I was at like a 30, I, you know, subjective scoring, but I felt more like at a 30%. Um, The most stressful part was when I had to be the leader because then I was like, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? I was a lot more concerned about being a good leader than I was having some weird headband on my head. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But we had to do other things um, uh, like parking. I had to, I had to park and not correct it 10 times. I think the first time I let myself correct it twice and that was scary. It was hard. I had to leave it and walk away. And, um, but a a big part of that was learning to observe other people instead of just imagining that everyone else was perfect. So I would park imperfectly, but then look at other parking people, like other cars that were parked. And I was like, Oh, they're not actually all lined up like perfect dominoes as they are in my head. Yeah. Or um, like one of my big sticking areas was I'm not a good enough mom. Everyone thinks I'm a bad mom. Like that was like really big for me. So they challenged me to just go sit in the mall on a busy day and or somewhere that I thought I would see families and just watch other families interact. Like, do I see other parents getting frustrated with their kids? Do I see other kids having tantrums? Do the kids look perfectly put together and clean all the time? Do the moms look perfectly together? They're like, just go observe because in your head, it's perfect. Yeah. And I learned that most moms are just like most parents are just people. All kids have temper tantrums. It's like, it's not just me that somehow didn't get the memo on how to be a perfect mom. Um, But with social anxiety, like you're always looking at yourself, whether it's your own distorted view or how you think other people see you. But when you turn that spotlight out, and I learned that from the How to Be Yourself book. Also, when you actually look at other people, you realize that they're just people, imperfect people. And social anxiety, anxiety, all these things are so common. It's not like everyone else is walking around with them like perfectly put together. Right. Right. Oh, I know. I would, I would always sit there when I was struggling with driving anxiety and I would look all around me and I'd be like, all these people are so chill and so like at peace and just driving and like doing their thing. Like, why can't I be like that? And it's just like, you know, that's not, that's not how it actually is. Maybe they're not. Right. Right. A lot of people are also moving through the world very imperfectly and that's also okay yeah and yeah giving yourself that permission though and it does it feels I bet like doing that especially the parade because like you guys can't see me when Sadie was telling the story about the parade (laughs) I had my hand over my mouth like you had a you had a pretty good face on (laughs) because 
I, I mean that I feel like for a lot of people would be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, allowing yourself to do some of those things and to see like, okay, yeah, like this, this is anxiety producing. This feels really uncomfortable, but this is not going to stay at this level. Like it, and it is, it's so true, but like getting to that point where you do that, right. You have the willingness to say, I'm just going to do it Mm -hmm. is so hard because it feels so risky. It feels like, yeah. Yeah. Like who knows what's going to happen? Like there are so many things that could happen, right? So many uncertainties. And, you know, I think, but it's so freeing when you start to see, yeah, there are so many uncertainties, but a lot of this stuff is okay. Like it, yeah. it's uncertain, but it's okay. Like these things can happen and I'll still get through this and I can still do this and I can still, yeah. you know, have fun or what, whatever it is. I, <laughs> I can't say that I would do the parade. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that on my own for sure. (laughs) But it's so good. I I love this stuff because it, as silly as it sounds, you gave the perfect representation of what a lot of people worry about is I'm going to do this thing and anxiety is going to be a 10 out of 10 the whole time. I'm not going to get a break. It's going to be so awful. I'm not going to be able to handle it. And then you do it. It's like, oh, it doesn't stay at a 10 out of 10. It does yeah, actually exactly. come down and and I actually might like have enjoyed myself there for a minute. Oh my gosh. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it, it was kind of funny to see people laugh and yeah. smile at us. And I mean, we were in a hospital, so they were pretty forgiving. I, like right. we, we could have been anybody, like we could have had any backstory there <laughs> for why we were doing this. <laughs> right. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. So at the beginning, I'm so stuck on this because I... <laughs> I'm like the way that you described this when we first started talking is, you know, you want it, you're a shy person. I'm a shy person, but I think, you know, it can get to a point where you're having a lot of issues just doing day-to-day stuff and it can really impair you. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, you said the goal is kind of getting to a space where you can be functionally shy. And I love that because it's not like, you're not going to take the shyness away, right? Like, let's not focus on completely taking the shyness away. I think that's like the same thing with anxiety, right? Like yeah. just take anxiety away and I won't have a problem. It's like, yeah. oh no, that's <laughs> not true. That sounds glorious, but no. Yeah. So yeah, not taking the shyness away, like allowing yourself to still be shy, but like, how could this look different differently? I yeah. love that. So how have you become like more functionally shy? Hmm. I like that question. It's interesting that you like, like you stuck on that. You came back to that because that is something that I have spent so much time thinking about because if you know you're a shy person and you also have social anxiety, where's the line? And like, I've talked to lots of like my therapists about this, like how, how much do I accept and how much do I change? And Mm it kind of came down to like social anxiety is the irrational area of fear. Um, Like everyone has a little bit of social anxiety. Everyone cares. Like we're social creatures. Everyone cares what other people think. The goal is not to become 0% socially anxious because I I don't even know what that would be like a sociopath. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, My husband. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) My husband. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> Edit that out if you must. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah. So 
I keep, I always talk about the how to be yourself book because I love it, but she describes living well, or like living, being yourself as like, who would you be without fear? Like if I wasn't Mm. afraid, would I do this? Am I not returning, uh, returning an item is kind of awkward no matter what, but like, am I not going to this party because I don't like parties or because I'm afraid that any number of things like they won't like me they didn't really want me to go like any like those things if I'm afraid maybe I need to challenge that if I just don't want to go that's okay you know unless I've made a commitment or whatever but like it's okay to not want to do certain things and that was pretty big for me the goal is not to go from where I am now to one of the most extroverted eloquent charismatic socially outgoing person in the world like I that, that that's not going to be me it's okay to be me just like not having my stomach in knots all the time and like sweating and blushing and tearing myself apart on the inside yeah, yeah. oh so good like there's so much gold in what you just <laughs> said like truly because I think you know people always have this sort of end goal and it's always like two extremes and mm-hmm. it's like you you can say no sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to always do the things. You don't have to completely change who you are. You don't have to get rid of the shyness. Like you yeah. you don't have to go from being introverted to being extroverted. Like none of this is part of the healing process. And yeah. you know, I I think also too a big part of the work you do has had to have been very therapeutic and helpful mm-hmm. for you because for somebody who struggles with social anxiety, and I know I'm like speaking to my own experience too, it can be really hard to talk about the stuff and to put it out there. And, you know, it's the, the work that you're doing to, you know, sort of practice what you preach is beautiful and to help other people. And, you know, to say too, right. Like I'm not all the way there. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have this all figured out, but I, I like, I'm just so, I love this functionally shy. Like, I think you've like, like you should capitalize on this trait. I don't know. Functionally shy. Yeah. Yeah. It gives so much permission. And I think that's what a lot of people need is like, you don't have to get rid of, you know, some major parts of who you are. It's okay that you're shy, but you can live a beautiful, fulfilling life, joyful life and still be shy. And it can look differently how it might look right now. I love that. And even with driving, I don't need to be someone who can drive through the busy streets of New York City. I just need to be functional for the driving that I have to do. Yes. That's it. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it's so funny that you said that because I don't, uh, we go to New York City a couple of times every year. My brother-in-law lives there and we went like a few months back and I posted a reel about it. And somebody says, yeah, but could you do that alone? Like, could you have gone the trip alone? Because I went with my husband mm. and my daughter. And I was like, well, one, I wouldn't want to because yeah. I- Would you I want do, to? <laughs> right. Like I do these experiences with my family because I love them and I want to share these memories. So mm-hmm. it's a it's okay that I'm not doing this alone because I don't want to. Yeah. And But two, the other thing is, right? Like I don't have to. Like I don't have something to prove. Like I don't yeah. need to be the person that goes out to dinner alone like my mom. Like yeah. I don't need the if person- If you don't like that-, that. Right. Like yeah. and that, I think that that's so good though. Cause you hit on something that a lot of people struggle with, 
I have to, I have to, because otherwise Mm. I won't ever heal from this. And it's like, no, no, no. Give yourself some, some breathing room there. Like it doesn't have to look like that. Yeah. I mean, like I would probably the only time I would do those things was like, well, I guess it was unavoidable for some reason, but if I was doing a specific exposure to challenge the fear and make myself uncomfortable, then maybe, yeah, I would go have dinner at a super fancy restaurant all by myself in jeans and pajamas or something. Like I I wouldn't want to do that. I can't see myself doing that, (laughs) but I could do that if that was a fear I needed to face for some reason. Yeah. Like if it, if it was, if there was a reason for doing it, like maybe I would do it then. Yeah. But it's not something that I need to be able to do on a daily basis. Like that's not really, (laughs) I don't have to like doing that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right, Sadie. So you have so much goodness to offer. Like if people want to connect with you further, find you, where can they find you and learn more from you? Well, I have been quiet on Instagram over the summer because the kids were home, but at your social anxiety bestie on Instagram is usually where I hang out. Um, the podcast is also called your social anxiety bestie. It's gonna, it's been on a summer break, but it's going to be coming back in September and patreon.com slash your social anxiety bestie. If you want to join us in the besties club, it is a super warm, active place of people who are socially anxious. It's not like everyone there has everything figured out. It's like, oh my God, somebody talked to me and they said this, like, what does it mean? How do I feel about this? And then we talk about it. Like there's zero judgment in that group. So I I would love to meet anybody who is interested. And and I do the one-on-one peer coaching. I don't do a whole lot. I don't push it a whole lot because I, you know, I am still on my healing journey and I can't imagine doing that 40 hours a week and still having energy left for my own, (laughs) my own (laughs) healing, but it is available. And um, yeah, I love, I love it. I love connecting with people and helping them realize that they're not broken and bad and they're not alone. So good. So good. Well, keep doing the amazing work. I love it. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a great conversation. Well, thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And before I end this episode, I want to mention that I'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode or any others with somebody who you feel could benefit from what I share here. You sharing these episodes is what helps me to reach and support others who need it. And if you have an extra minute in your day today, I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and this too is what helps me to help more people to heal and overcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.